Welcome everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning, you are with the double L team, Larland. Lawson! Lawson, how was your weekend? It was great. Yes? You know, it just stayed at my house <laughs> for most of the time, um, pretty much, other than like, you know, on Sunday, like, going into town to buy food as that's all we're allowed to do the one the one and only thing you were allowed to do so you sort of uh had a bit of a um a bit of holiday you know went yeah on, went on went on vacation went to aldi yeah you know major holiday <laughs> no, destination no, went, to Coles, went to Coles, you know because major holiday destination two years ago was ethiopia yeah 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 this year it's Aldi. It was actually good though. I was helping my dad build a. Uh, we're building a new carport at my place, and yes. so we were like sanding and painting and welding and holding up beams and doing all sorts of things. That was pretty fun. That's awesome. But yeah, no, which was good to get outside. I was like, I was really. I think yesterday I was so convicted. Like, and we're going to be talking about this in our good news section. But I was like, man, I need to get outside. Like, well, you have the massive advantage of having bush behind your place. Dude, so you've got like so endless opportunity to get Sabbath outside. Sabbath afternoon as well. We went down. So on um, my property, we have a rental property. And in that rental property is living someone from my church. And so we, you know, we live together yes, in, you do. on the same property. So we went walking down the backyard, out the back, onto the fire trails. Because my house, I found out, backs onto the fire trails. Yes. So onto the fire trails, around, back you in. You go it was, forever. It was fantastic. I was like, this And is there's like, nobody so, there. Just like... Well, there was like some people walking the fire trails, yeah. but, well... I don't know. They're probably not allowed to now. <laughs> now we're allowed to exercise yeah, still. That's true. That's true. But yeah, no, it's, I'm just being like, yes, let's get outside. It's been so good. That's, that's what I've been awesome. doing over the weekend. What about Amazing yourself? Stuff. Yeah, well, I was working in my shed all day yesterday, sorting it out, Classic. getting it cleaned up. It, you know, just shed time, you know. <laughs> shed time. Just got to have shed time. <laughs> let's You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, on to good news this morning. I was talking earlier about getting out of the house, doing doing exercise. I think, look, guys, like, if that is needed at any time, it's now. Because we can't even leave the house to go to work. Well, we can because yes. we're essential. But we're amongst, like, some of the only people. The roads are pretty quiet at the moment. Which is actually probably... Well, it's a positive thing for me at least, but but for many people, you know, it's just like staying inside. I, I know for myself, like, I... I, I kind of relish, you know, being a hermit sometimes, but then it just like, you just crash like after. Yeah, they get, they can, you can only do so much of it and, and then, then you, you just got to get out. You just got to get out. And so I was reading an article this morning um, that, you know, the opening line was physical activity does the brain good. This is something that we've always known, mm-hmm. um, you know, helps us overcome depression. There's a couple of different um, factors for that, whether it be vitamin D from the sun, uh, whether it just be, you know, getting moving and sweating, get the endorphins released. Um, but also... Um, um, physical activity, what this study is saying here is that it fosters the ability to change to it and adapt. It's essentially, it enhances neuroplasticity. Yes. Which is like something that, you know, I think this is why it's so recommended for those who are older, those who are uh, suffering from um, problems like dementia and Alzheimer's and whatnot is that physical activity and keeping the brain, well, uh, mental activity and keeping the brain working is something that is so recommended, but also physical activity achieves the same thing. Yes. Getting out and about. Um, and so like, 
I was just uh, reading here, you know, people with depression often withdraw and are physically uh, physically inactive. Um, and so uh, Karen Rosencrantz, um, to investigate the effect of physical activity, enlisted 41 people who were undergoing treatment at a hospital for the study. The participants were each assigned to one of two groups um, and each group was compared. One group he had um, was very much invested in physical activity. The other one was not. And then they did mental-based tests, you know, um, things like... Um, uh, I actually did this when I was, like, 12 years old where they give you a board. And it's got, like, different color pins and you have, like, different rows and you have to, like, see how fast you can put all the pins in the board. And it's, like, just a general, like, cognitive test, how you know, how they can, you know, uh, it's, like, a simple test to see how well you could do, you know, problem solving and how quickly you can move your hands around. It's, like, hand-eye coordination and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, like, in every single one of these areas that they tested, those, you know, these random people, for those who had being physically active, on average, they performed better. Yep. And so I know you're just sitting there saying, yep, 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 yep. yep, yep. Because it's it's like like we have known this forever and it's good to know that science is agreeing with what we have always known because that's what the Bible teaches. A hundred percent. Three and a half thousand years ago, the Bible was writing about the importance of physical activity. When Mm. Adam and Eve were created 6,000 years ago, Mm. they were given physical activity. Human beings need physical activity. And so, yeah, I think I think for me, just reading this story, my appeal to the listeners and to myself more yes. than anyone else is, particularly in this time, you know, in New South Wales, we've gone into a statewide lockdown. Go build a carport. Yeah, or do something. I don't know. Walk out the house. Go for a walk. You know, maybe you don't have a backyard, but you can walk around your suburb. You can walk up the street, you know, chuck your mask on if you have to, and, um, you know, which... Most people should. Like, I, I have the benefit of walking on, um, you know, fire trails and stuff where, it, you know, you've got wide open space and not necessarily anyone that's policing that, so you're good. But, yeah, chuck your mask on, walk down the street. Like, really, Get into you know, it. Get into take it. some time to do that. And even if you're an essential worker as well. Yes. Because, like, again, your only excuse to leave the house is to go to work. Well, you know, for us, we're sitting in the studio this morning. That's where we're at sitting here. So please get out, get some vitamin D. It will make you feel better and you will... And it will raise your mood and raise your... 100%. It'll just be a blessing to your connection with God. It will be. Get out there amongst God's second book. All right. Yes. I I have another story this morning. Okay. And I think this this speaks to um, some of the worries that people have had for a long time, um, basically of renewable energy. Oh, so, so yes. w- one of the worries that people have for a long time, and I think this uh, fostering this worry was a tactic that was specifically by Donald uh, used specifically by Donald Trump to win the state of Alaska in the 2016 election, and that is essentially that if you bring in renewable energy, those who are working in you know non-renewable industries will lose their job and have nothing. Right. This is this was the thought. Like, this is, even though this is, and I'm going to read a story that kind of disproves this, this is the thought that a lot of people had. And and I remember specifically in the 2016 um, election, uh, Hillary Clinton went to Nebraska. Nebraska, their, like, number one industry is coal mining. She rocks up in Nebraska and she's like, oh, we're going to change everything to renewable energy and we're, you know, we're going to try and find a way to give all bad the move for Nebraska. J- jobs and all this stuff. And this is the thing. Donald Trump rocks up with a coal mining hat on and says, 
Donald Trump loves coal. <laughs> and, dude, just absolutely washed that state. Like, and, and it was because, you know, you have these big industries where, like, there where, you know, generations have been working in those coal mines. And you got people who are among that workforce being like, we're, you know, we're uneducated. We left school at 14, 15 to go and work in the coal mine. Like, this so, is all- so this is an industry your dad works in, right? Yeah. But he's, a, he's in a bit of a... He's in a bit, <laughs> your dad might be out of our job here. He might have to go and retrain, like, oh, how do I, no, how but do I my, install solar panels? My dad works in the coal industry as a project manager. He's a, he's a he's a manufacturer and a builder by trade. Like, he's not like a... Not a builder, he's a boiler maker. He's not a coal miner. Like. So he, my, dad, my dad is good. Your my, dad is awesome. My dad's chilling. No, but check this out. I read this story about one of the largest, or once was the largest steel mill in the world, Sharo, uh, Sparrows Point Shipyard in Maryland, um, Virginia. Um, they are, like the, the United Steelworkers Union has gotten together and with US Wind, which is the big, you know, kind of wind farm um association in the u.s they've invested 120 million dollars in converting this old steel mill um into a solar uh, no sorry not a solar a wind panel creator like a wind turbine creator which will create in the community around they're saying roughly 4,500 jobs um with 3,000 of those jobs being focused on the building of the plant itself and then um you know 1,000 permanent jobs just within the mill itself but then you know once you create industry by extension you create you know more and more jobs and more and more work surrounding that. So uh, I thought this was really cool. Now this is a steel mill. This isn't a you know a coal fired power station or coal, uh, coal fired steel mill. Uh, well, but yeah, it's a coal fired steel mill. That's right. <laughs> but it's making steel, right? Like it's yes. making you know a, a resource that is good, yes. like that helps us build things. It helps us build like turbines and different stuff like that. Um, but yes. essentially, like yeah, they they're converting this into you know, um, something that creates renewable energy. And I'm like, that's, isn't that just I like- think I think there's a lot of jobs in renewable energy. Yeah. I think there's more jobs in renewable energy than that. What then there is in, uh, say coal, coal based energy. Mm. And I think that's part of the reason why renewable energy is so prohibitively expensive mm. because it just takes a lot more manpower to be able to actually create energy that way. Yeah. But I think it, how this relates to my first point is that the worry is particularly for the blue collar worker. It's like, how are yeah, we going? I mean, how hey, are we going to get work if, in the renewable sector? If China stopped buying coal, what would happen to the employment rate here in in Australia Hunter, in Hunter Valley? In the Hunter Valley, yeah, where, where we're living, it could be you know your dad could be out of a job. <laughs> but this is the thing: it's like we now have the potential to convert these jobs over, just like we're converting energy, and to work in the renewable energy yeah, sector. Well, so tell us what you reckon. Zero four nine one zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Give give us your thoughts. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. That's right. Okay. We should probably talk about some more serious news. Yeah, we should. Okay, so this is uh, Christian MP. Her name is uh, Paivi uh, Rasanen from Finland. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has been an MP in the parliament there since 1995. She was the Minister of the Interior from 2011 to 2015. So, you know, a pretty... Um, a pretty skilled kind of person who is well recognised, and she is facing a jail term of six years. Yikes! So this is in court right now, and that is for tweeting a Bible verse. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. For tweeting, so she, she didn't even write it down. She posted a photo of it because obviously, if you're going to, uh, you know, so there's some Bible verses. If you write them down, they're just going to be you're going to go to Twitter jail immediately banned. Um, and so she posted a photo of Romans one verse twenty four to twenty seven. And now, not only is she going to Twitter jail, she could be going to jail for six years in Finland. But so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. If it's illegal to tweet the Bible, a verse from the Bible, right, mm-hmm. then uh, the precedent that is set by that, if she does go to jail, it be interesting to, to, to follow this because of the precedence it's going to create. If it's illegal to tweet it, it's also then illegal to print it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It follows that it's also illegal to sell it or to speak it in public, to preach mm-hmm. it, um, or to keep it in a public place, to have it in a library, it's also illegal to agree with what the Bible says. Mm. So the implications of this case are pretty severe. This is massive because it's like, it's not that she's being, you know, quote unquote, like persecuted by the private platform of Twitter. No. Which, fair enough, like they can do whatever they want. But this is... Yes and no, because I've been doing some thinking about this. Because if you look at, say, for instance, phone companies, mm. you know, Telstra, uh, Vodafone, Optus, whatever it might be, they have an exemption for what we say on the phone. They have a legal exemption. They're not held yes, accountable that's, for that's what, right, that's for what right, we... That's for, right. They're a private company who's not held accountable for what we yeah. say in a conversation on the phone. How is that different from what somebody says in a text message compared to, say, a Twitter post? One's private and one's public. That's the difference. One's, one's public amongst a private platform. Yes. And the other is private on a private platform. Yeah. Okay, but you can still get on the phone and make lots of phone calls or have group phone calls. Oh, yeah, for sure. And those are still exempt. But, but it's like if you if, – okay, so if you made a phone call, right? Like I, I assume then, like if she, if okay. this is the precedent that's being set, right, yes. that she is getting um, like legally, like civilly persecuted um, and punished. Yeah, and this is the issue here: is that it's uh, it's it's the law of Finland that's at stake. Yeah. So so this is the thing: is that wouldn't it be the same result if she called people up? And did the oh, same absolutely. Thing? Yeah. So absolutely. so whether it's like again, like because it's called safe harboring. That, mm-hmm. That's that's the law for Telstra. And um, social media has the same thing. That if someone posts something illegal or, like, uh, something in breach of copyright law or something on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, like, YouTube and Facebook aren't responsible. Um, but ultimately, like, what we're, we're seeing here is that... Yeah, this is a different category This again. is a different case. It is a very different case. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Because basically what it does is it outlaws the Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's the precedent that's being set. But civilly, not just on a private platform. Like That's right. Absolutely. Nationwide. Yeah. Yikes. I hate okay, she, she states <laughs> that Okay, uh, she states that she's uh, glad that it has inspired people to pray and to speak about the Bible. That's right. Uh, so that's um, probably the positive that is coming out of that story right there. I can't believe that. Like, I'm actually... Yeah, the precedents that I'm... are being set in some of these court cases are just pretty off the charts, eh? Finland, bro. Anyway, <laughs> um, and of course, it was on this day back in 1662 that the British government 
decided to standardise Anglican theology. And mm-hmm. what, you ha- what you've got happening in Finland, of course, is that the government is telling the church what theology they can believe and what theology they can't believe. You've got the government defining theology. Mm. Well, it was on this day in 1662 that the British government tried to do that and a thousand pastors preached their last sermon and left the Anglican church. Wow. So it pretty much irreparably damaged the Anglican church. And so whenever the government gets involved in defining theology, it never is a smart thing to take place. But uh, talking about the government getting involved in defining theology, the Scottish government has just uh, passed inclusivity laws where schools must change the gender of children four and above if requested by the child. This is regardless of parental knowledge or consent. Which we've already done, uh, like talked about cases on Faith of to highlight that they can just be pressured into it. Of course. Um, and then they make statements like this, you know, it's possible to come out as a transgender at any age. Um, posters challenging gender norms must be placed in classrooms. Um, books promoting trans inclusivity must be placed in the libraries. And uh, they have stated here that teachers should respect a person's wishes, use the name pronoun they have asked to be used. Uh, if a person comes out to you, it is important not to deny their identity or question their understanding of their gender identity. These are children. The Bible says that foolishness lives in the heart of a child. Mm. And that when a child, so when a child is in charge of a family, then foolishness runs the family. If a child is in charge of a school, then the school becomes foolish. If a child is in charge of the government, then the government becomes foolish. And that's what we are seeing right here. When the Bible says that foolishness lives in the heart of a child, that is not a slur on childhood. That's a st- mm. simply a statement of fact that as adults, we are supposed to know more than children. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, we are supposed to educate children. Mm-hmm. And that foolishness lives in the heart of a child because the child has not yet been trained and it is our responsibility uh, to train them. Uh, these children now be- now being encouraged onto a medical pathway potentially for the rest of their lives. We should not be teaching children and especially primary school children that you can change sex because you cannot change sex. That was uh, for the... Uh, um you know the w- women for uh, Scotland campaign group. I uh, okay. I just want to know, like, who is in favour of this legislation? Like, clearly there are people, but are there that many people to where it's being so enforced, or is it just a small minority? Or because I well, it I, used to be a small minority, but I'm starting to question that because you're seeing this kind of legislation happening around the world over and over and over again, and it's like the whole world. The Western world has gone completely nuts. It's gone insane. But I, I don't know because I just feel like like I live with secular people. Yes, I I'm friends with secular people, yes. and I feel like they don't share these no. opinions. Like, no, I don't, I don't meet I, these kinds of people. I'm like you know, but and I know that it's like oh yeah, so and so the nut job. But I, I know that they exist, and I, I'm also friends with the people who do share these opinions. That, but even that, like. For the for the most part, like they're relatively level headed about it. Like even uh, like friends that I have who are members of the LGBT community, like yes, I've got friends of the LGBT community, and they're level headed about it as well. And they shake their heads in horror yeah. at some of this crazy stuff that is so going who on. Who is pushing it? Like, why is this getting legislated? It's because evil exists. It's because Satan exists, and he's because he is hell bent mm. on destroying this planet at any cost. Yikes! Like. 
again, you know, compared to our last story, right, like that we shared, it's like this isn't about persecuting a people group. This is just about giving rights to children. Yes, rights. Children deserve rights. They deserve the right of having protection from adults. <laughs> okay, very quickly, uh, Haiti has, um, it, you know, it's a country in abject poverty. Yes. Um, it is in the midst of a massive COVID crisis. They just had a presidential assassination followed by a wave of gang violence, a 7.2 earthquake hit on the weekend. Death toll has reached 724, and they're about to get hit by Tropical Storm Grace. So let's keep that country in our prayers. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. There you go. If you know the answer, 0491 Don't forget to save that number in your phone. Mm-hmm. Joining us on the phone this morning is Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lowell. Good to be with you. And hi, Lawson, and your dear listener out there. Uh, It's fantastic to uh, have an update from Voice of the Martyrs and just to hear about some of the things that are happening in our world today because it gives us a bit of a reality check uh, each month when you come on Etienne as to, you know, we complain about the infringements on our religious liberty in this country, but uh, we certainly have nothing like the infringements that exist in other countries. What are we talking about today? Right, well, I just want to mention that our current focus, if you go to our website, vom.com.au, you'll see us frontline workers, and we have a special gift there. You can download a frontline worker ebook for free, and there's five stories in there just of encouragement to let people know uh, what frontline workers do, and this just helps you connect with frontline workers and see what the gospel looks like in action and the risk that people are taking. And also the positive outcomes, you know, with other people receiving the gospel. So it's a very encouraging. You go to Frontline Workers and just, uh, um, sorry, our website, and then just click on the Frontline Workers link there. You'll find all this material, and it's a free copy for you to download. It's about 52 pages, so it's an easy read and just a, a great resource uh, for any Christians out there. Yeah, that's also, fantastic. Do so want was, to... That was uh, vom.gov. Sorry, vom.com.au. Com.au, yes. Yes, so, yep. Oh, That's the I've, one? I've got the, uh, I've got the, uh, uh, the uh, weather website stuck in my head. Which is <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, all, all good. But uh, look, I was listening to a little bit of what you were sharing this uh, earlier and uh, definitely a good segue into, you know, persecution and what's happening around the world. I've, I've got a little app on my phone and I've just been watching how many um, earthquakes there have been over five on the Richter scale just in the last, three or four days, there's been lots of them. And, of course, you just mentioned the earthquake in Haiti. So we're definitely living in interesting times. And, you know, that we are told by Jesus, you know, when he prophesies about uh, what's coming on the earth just before he's coming, that uh, earthquakes will be one of the uh, the birth pains that we will see. And there seems to have just been an increase just in the last few days on that. So um, there's something to look out for. Very much so. Now, look, we... we, um, We also have another resource we've made available. It's not on our front page yet, but it's called Lockdown Church. Now, many people are restricted at the moment. They cannot leave their home for, I guess, three reasons. And if they uh, violate the rules, I think in certain places in Sydney, there's a $5,000 fine now. So um, we've made this uh, Lockdown Church resources available where people can just get some encouragement. There's some songs there. There's some uh, testimonies there. There's some short clips from Richard Wormbrandt just a little sermon, three-minute sermons that he's given just to encourage people and also just to help them understand a little bit of the restrictions 
that are placed on Christians in many countries. Now, we are experiencing restrictions here for civil reasons. There's, of course, is for religious reasons. So if you just go to vom.com.au forward slash lockdown, you'll be able to find some of those resources and we'll be adding to it every week just to bring some encouragement to people at the moment because, I mean, mental health is a challenge for many. Loneliness is a challenge for many others as well. And, you know, the Word of God is powerful and living and bring a lot of encouragement to people. Yes, and we certainly appreciate Voice of the Martyrs doing this kind of thing because it is so necessary at times at you know, like this as we go into more and more and more and more lockdowns. It seems to be going, you know, further in rather than further out. So um, well, that's, we appreciate that's that. Well, that's true. But speaking of restrictions, uh, this morning I want to talk to uh, your listener about Nigeria. We've got a report that was just released by the International Society for Civil Liberties and the Rule of Law. And this report details mass violence against Christians in Nigeria for the past 12 years. So I'm going to talk about Nigeria a little bit. Mm. So just, just as an overview, Nigeria is geographically divided along a religious line. So you have the Muslim-dominated north, and then you have the majority Christians in the south. Now, there are actually more than 80 million professing Christians in Nigeria. So there's a lot of Christians there. And they're basically the fruit of both pioneer missionary work and also freed slaves who returned to the continent, well, from the continent of Europe with the gospel after the abolition of slavery in England. And that's going back 1833. So, uh, you know, these people came back with the Christian message and the many were converted. So at the moment, if you look at Nigerians, 51% of Nigerians are Christian. Um, but uh, the, the North is made up of Sunni Muslims predominantly. Uh, foreign missionary work in this uh, north and majority areas declined significantly since 2008. And that's basically just the result of Islamic militant groups like Boko Haram, who are based in the north. They are affiliated with Al-Qaeda. Now, Boko Haram has weakened somewhat in the northeast, but they still carry out devastating attacks against Christian communities and even on army units in the region. Now, uh, towards the end of 2019, the Islamists began stopping commercial vehicles and removing Christians for execution and abduction. And uh, we've heard of many abductions that have taken place even at schools. So these ongoing attacks are on Christian villages by Fulani militia. Um, they've concentrated the attacks now even into the central regions of Nigeria. So it's really difficult for Christians. Uh, if you look at Christians in the northeast of Nigeria, just about everyone has lost family members to these attacks. Uh, entire congregations have been displaced. And if you look at um, Christianity there compared to, say, 20 years ago, the turn of the, the, the century, it looks very different now. Um, they used to be openly worship God, but now a lot of it's gone underground, and they've got to be very careful. And very. And those who do still uh, you know, share the gospel are very bold, and they do it at great risk to themselves, and, of course, those who actually accept the gospel. Now, few schools are able to function there because of the violence. Families, of course, would be concerned about their children's education. You know, life's a constant struggle, and uh, some places it's difficult for Christians to find food. Uh, famine threatens the north just simply because when the Fulani herdsmen come in, they'll destroy crops or they'll take the crops for themselves or they let their cattle feed on the crops. And, of course, you know, you've got months and months of work that's gone into the, uh, into the crops and then it's gone. So there's uh, people who are starving out there. Um, interestingly, Bibles are plentiful in the south, but in the north there's a, a, a great shortage. 
And so uh, what we do is we provide Bibles, we help equip pastors, train them in the, the central and in the south part, and some of them will actually go back at their own volition just to serve Christians in that area. But in the last 12 years, there's been 30 million Christians, especially in northern Nigeria, Christians and other ethnic groups have been threatened. Tens of millions have been uprooted. Six million have been forced to flee their homes. Um, many have uh, been hacked to death, and over 4 million have been internally displaced. So if we look at the numbers specifically in regards to Christians, uh, 43,000 Christians have been killed in this um, attack on, on Christians over the last 12 years. 18,500 have been permanently, but permanently disappeared. So they're not even in the 43,000 uh, number there. So are they alive or dead? I'd say most of them are probably dead as well. Now, as far as the churches, because, I mean, being a predominantly Christian country, 17,500 churches have been attacked. And uh, the numbers are staggering. And about 2,000 schools have also been attacked, Christian schools, that is. So it's been uh, very difficult for Christians. And the Oh, huge numbers, yeah. And, you know, the type of things that have happened, obviously there's been massacres where they've gone into villages and schools, uh, killings, mutilations. I mean, they, 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 they slit people's throats, wombs, uh, and wombs, uh, beheadings, torture, maiming, abduction, hostage-taking, rape, forced marriage, disappearances, extortion, forced conversions, burning homes and, and farms, places of worship. It's been really tough for people there. So uh, keep Nigeria in your in your prayers. They are in the top three in the world as far as uh, being a dangerous place for Christians and where persecution is severe. But look, I want to tell you just an encouraging story. Uh, that's quite a tough story, that one, you know, and, and how it affects Christians there in general. But there's a just an encouraging little story that came through from China. And this guy is called Chen Wencheng. And uh, this story has just been posted in the last week or so on our website, if you look at you know some of our uh, blogs that we post. But uh, authorities had arrested Chen Wenzhang on the 19th of June. So the Chinese Communist Party authorities held him under designated residential surveillance for 20 days. And during this time, members of the Chinese Bureau of Ethnic and Religious Affairs, so they are the ones that control the churches, the three self-patriotic movements and so on, um, they interrogated him and attempted to persuade him to stop proclaiming the gospel in the streets. So it's interesting, the guys responsible for the church don't want him to preach the gospel in the streets. It's a curious story in that sense. And then state security officers revealed that they had documented the more than 1,000 times he had traveled to other regions throughout China to preach the gospel during the past two decades. And they'd also documented everyone who traveled with him. So it's just a short little story there. He was released in July and after the 20 days of detention. But this story actually captured my attention a year earlier. So we posted this on the 4th of August uh, 2020, where authorities have sentenced uh, this Christian man to 10 days of administrative detention for illegal evangelism. And um, he'd been sharing his Christian faith on the streets of Henyang and in the Hunan province before being taken into custody. Um, He also displayed a wooden cross that had Written so in Chinese characters, glory to our Savior, repent and be saved by faith alone, written on it. And then Chen also urged police officers to believe in Jesus. So he's a very bold uh, frontline worker. The cross was confiscated at, uh, at the police station. And then, uh, so we've heard a story about Chen a few times now. So January the 3rd, we posted the story as well. So on New Year's Day, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, Hinyang Municipality Police Department, issued their first penalty. So this was, what, eight months ago now? 
and they detained Cheng Winsang again on 10 days for preaching the gospel. And they held him. Um, he's well known as a street preacher there. And this is not the first time he's been in 10 days custody. The police repeatedly arrest him and detain him. And uh, Cheng continues to proclaim the gospel, passionate about spreading the gospel. Sometimes he's alone. Sometimes others come and join him. And uh, on that busy city, he often holds that cross, as I said to you. And the inscription, depending on how you translate it, is glory to the Lord. Repent, trust, and be redeemed. Now, during the pandemic, Chen has been preaching. He's been uh, distributing gospel tracts. He's been distributing masks and Bibles. And when the police arrest him, he says with a smile, Jesus loves you. God bless you. I will go with you. And when police officers have released him from the detention, he always thanks them and blesses them. So this is a man that's got no animosity against anybody else. You know, he loves everybody because of the love of the Lord is in his, in his heart. And although the CCP authorities have repeatedly warned him and threatened that they will arrest and detain him, again, he continues to preach on the streets as, uh, as an evangelist, runs his little evangel- evangelical events you know, on the streets there with a little microphone. And he says even if he's sentenced to prison one day, he has determined to still proclaim the gospel even there. And that reminds me of the wonderful text in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, where the Apostle Paul encourages young Timothy also to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, and to encourage people with the doctrine, because there, come, there will come a time where people will not endure sound doctrine, but they will have itching ears, they'll have their own desires, and they'll find teachers who will teach them the things they want to hear rather than wanting to hear the truth. So uh, just some encouraging words there. I mean, this guy's uh, probably finding it tough when he's under um, surveillance uh, day and night and also when he's being detained. But it's not stopped him from preaching the gospel in that uh, very populous uh, country there. Yeah, and it sort of makes us stop and wonder, you know, how many times have we held our tongue when we've been in public places just because we felt like we were amongst a group of people who disagreed with us on certain things. And, you know, on those times when we do hold our tongue, we sort of have to ask ourselves the question, okay, who is actually in control of our life at that particular point? Is God in control of our life? Or are the people who surround us in control of our life? And here you've got an example of somebody, you know, China is the last place in the world where I'd expect to find a street preacher. And this exactly. guy just keeps going and going and going. What a yeah, story, mate, to, story of courage. Absolutely. So it's such an encouragement to me as well. And, you know, you're dead right. Sometimes we will hold our tongue um, for many reasons, I guess. But he's motivated by uh, the principle of love and the principle of, God, of the gospel and wanting people to be saved. And that's a very powerful motivator. Nothing will stop that kind of love. Mm. Thank you so much, Etienne. Just a quick reminder to our listeners, if you head over to vom.com.au, you can go to Lockdown Church, or you can download the ebook that is available right there. That was Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs. This is- Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.